I'm sorry that I am so stubborn to believe that God is God. I remember when I was talking to my uncle, Bill, <clears throat> we were camping, and it was when I first walked away from our income. And we were up at Alexander, Minnesota, and he's there, and we're by a campfire. And he says, young man, what are you, what's your plans on taking care of my niece, is basically his questioning. And I said, Uncle Bill, I said, I'm not sure. Then he says, Pete, can I ask you, when it gets hard, will you quit? Will you go find another job? What would you do? And I said, I'm not sure, Uncle Bill, but I do know this, that I am foolish enough to believe that God knows what he's doing, and I'm going to trust him. And if things don't work out, we're moving to Hawaii and living with you. But <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> I, you know, and that's the thing is I truly do believe God is God. I don't, I don't know. If, if I could just do one thing for this town, is just to let them know who God is. Not from a book or from a perspective of knowledge or education, but to truly know who God is, who is full of compassion, full of love and forgiveness and kindness. A God who is so concerned with his people that he shows up in the midst of their story and one of the first things he tells his people, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because he wants us to know that he's God. Not limited to our understanding or our methods, but God. And if I could show people that, it would be my greatest joy. Because, see, I really do love the Lord. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or to elevate myself up, but I say that as a man who has come upon the altar and realized he's God and I'm not. And that's what I love. I love about him. Because when you put him in that perspective, all he does is lift you up. You know, the Bible is sincere when it says that if you humble yourself before him, that he will lift you up. He will lift you up. And that's God. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. We sang this song this morning about the great I Am. And Moses has been on the run for a while. He, if we had to put a timetable to it, he spent about 40 years in Egypt learning, the, learning all of the art, learning all of the secrets of the Egyptian schools, being trained in, trained in all of their customs. And Moses is very well understood in royalty. He lives with the king's family. He was drawn from the water. But then something started to stir in his heart and he saw his people suffering and he tried to rescue them by his own hands and it failed. And when he was exposed and he found out that people found out that he committed murder, he was afraid and he ran for his life. And he's been on the run for 40 years 
living out in the desert, in the far side of the desert, for 40 years. And finally, there came a time when God said He wanted to call him back. And in verse, <clears throat> in verse 4, it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. This statement in the Bible, and I read it purposely, just this one verse, because I want you to see this. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now let's look at verse 1 again. Or let's move to verse 1, chapter 3 of Exodus. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. Did you catch what just happened here? Moses sees this bush, but how is it described? In verse 2 it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of the fire. We started off by reading that the Lord saw that he had gone out, and God called from him from where? Within the bush. There is this scene that is happening here because Israel knew that God is in heaven, that his thrones are above, as according to Psalm 104, upon the waters. And his chambers are upon the waters of, of, of this world. And, and he sits above the waters. And he's there in heaven. His throne is in heaven. God is in the abode where he resides in heaven. God is above us. God is there on his throne. And then all of a sudden, the story starts to unfold that this angel comes into the bush. And we, we're familiar with angels. We're familiar with angels because they're mentioned throughout the Bible. We have ideas of what they look like. They're always white. They always have wings. And they're always glowing and floating. But, you know, the Bible says that, that angels look just like us when they reveal themselves. That's why Paul tells us, you know, hey, be careful. You, you may be entertaining angels. I'll tell you what, if you showed up at my house today for lunch, I know you're not an angel. You're hungry. But if an angel showed up, I would not be able to tell the difference. And so, and you know what the Bible says? That all the angels were made to serve us. They're serving spirits. That God created them to serve us. That's why when Jesus was through the wilderness and he had the, the temptation and uh, the testing of Jesus and, and afterwards, who came to minister to him? Angels came to serve Jesus, came to help him. And, and you have this ideal of angels, but in the Old Testament, we know that God is in, in, in heaven, but now this angel comes in the bush. And then the next verse, or a few verses later, it says, the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, and God called to him from within the bush. Now, 
Moses is writing this testimony. Moses is writing the first five books of the Bible. You know, you think Moses would get the details down. Stick with it, Moses. Is it an angel or is it the Lord? But to Moses, there was no difference. And it's very interesting because when you read about the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it begins to develop this idea that God is revealing himself to his people. God in a visible form is coming. He's finally revealing who he is because we know that we cannot see God, that no human being can see God and live. It's just not possible. We would be wiped out by his glory. But yet God is choosing a method, a way to reveal himself to people here. That's why when Jesus finally comes, who is the, 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 the full God in, in, in incarnate, he is born here. He was born fully human, but fully God. That's why Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You finally see the Father because I'm here. I'm the visible form. I'm here before you. And in the Old Testament, we have this thing called the angel of the Lord that is starting to be interwoven with the story, showing us that God is wanting, God is wanting to reveal himself to his people. He's not just God off in a distant heaven waiting for us to come join him. He's God who is interested in what is happening here. He's wanting to reveal himself here, the angel of the Lord. And that's why Moses uses this terminology and he intertwines it um, in the story because it makes no difference. He knows who he's talking about. But if you do notice in the New Testament, when Jesus is finally revealed and he dies and he raises from the dead, no longer in the New Testament do you ever read about the angel of the Lord. Why? Because we know who he is. His Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's God visible. He's Jesus. He was with us. That's why John tells us that he chose to dwell with us. He chose his dwelling with us. And so that's why in the New Testament you'll read about an angel from the Lord, an angel appeared, but never will you read the angel of the Lord. So here Moses is, and he sees this bush, and it says that when the Lord saw that he had gone out to look, God called, God called, from him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Here am I. Moses was very familiar with the gods of Egypt. Now to us, when we think about gods, we think about false gods. And sometimes we will correlate those things with fairies and godmothers and things we would see on Disney, these, these myths, you know, just like, you know, our our world is filled with a whole bunch of Greek mythology, you know. You think about Apollo, who, um, who was taken over the form of Helios, and who's Helios? He's the sun god. And so you think about all these things, and we think of gods as some, some mytho- mythological type of entity, but there are other lower G gods that are around. Why do you think the first commandment that God gave was, you shall have no other, what? gods before me you shall have no other entities that are claiming to be me that's why when they saw jesus in the new testament the demons recognized him it says you are the son of the most high because you are above all other gods of this world in deuteronomy 32 you get this ideal of the nations being divided in the territories you see in psalm 82 where god is judging the 
gods, the, the lower G's, over the land because they wanted to rule like God. You, so you see this whole world, this whole time, they understood that there were gods around. Just recently read a book by Jonathan Kahn. Is it Kahn? <clears throat> Who, you know, his latest book, The Return of the Gods. And he's talking about, you know, just the, the, the revealing of the three gods that have stirred up their, their, uh, their heads again. But there's only one problem with that. They never left. See, the devil and his angels and the demonic forces and the entities that are out there have always, always tried to destroy the work of God. They've never left. They might have been dormant. They might have been silent. Just like when the devil comes to, to destroy you, he doesn't do it every day, it seems like, but there are times he'll wait. He's patient. He's a lot more patient than us sometimes. And he'll wait for the right opportunity when you are weak, when you are tired, or when you're going through a hard time, and he will try to come in and sweep and destroy you. Because the Bible says that his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. There is no, there is no way negotiating with an enemy like that. He's not going to take time off because the holidays are coming. He's not going to take time off because, you know, oh, you went to church this week, so we'll just leave him alone. No, he wants to destroy you. Think about that. He wants to destroy you. And these gods that are around are very real. And Moses is very familiar with all of these gods. They had the god Ra, the sun god, and they had all these gods, every god you could think of. And they believed that the idols that they had, the little statues that they had, they didn't believe that it was just a piece of wood or a piece of metal. The Bible tells us they are. But they didn't believe that. They believed that this thing was the, had the ability to be possessed to be inherited, to be, they always needed a relic for them to come in to fill this thing so that the gods could live with us. It was almost like they needed a portal. They needed a portal. They needed something in order for them to come, permission to come. So, God, so Moses is very familiar with all these types of gods in his upbringing. But the Bible says that God called and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here am I. God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God you notice how Moses is having this engagement with this entity that's in the bush. It's not burning up. Moses is curious. Moses goes over. He calls him by name. Moses, Moses, here I am. He says, I want you to take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. And Moses is probably thinking, okay, what's going on? This is crazy. What's happening here? But then he says this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And notice what the Bible says, at this at this reference, at this statement by God is when Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He knew that when God revealed himself as the one who was the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he knew automatically that this was God. Why? Because Moses was raised in all the education of Egypt. But he was also raised by his mother. He was also raised by his mother. Remember the story where 
for three months. His mother tried to hide him. And finally, you know, Moses being a little baby, he decided to cry louder and louder and louder. You know, because babies are cute when they cry when they're first born. And then they develop those things called a vocal box. And it just starts to resonate. And the Moses' mother knew that after three months, could, she couldn't do it. So she built an ark. Because that's what that word means. We, we say it's a little boat or, or a little, you know, a little basket. It's an ark. I'm sorry, I just always refer to the Hebrew words in the Hebrew tense. A basket, yeah. She built a basket. And she built a basket and covered it up and sent it down the water. But the Bible, that, the word that is used there is ark. Isn't it funny how God uses ark to save us from the water once again? And so Moses goes down and, and the Pharaoh's daughter finds him and she takes him into the home and Moses' sister is running along the bank and sees what's happening. And so she sees this little baby and she's like, this is great. This is my new baby. You've come from the water. I've drawn you from the water. I will call you Moshe. And so she calls him Moses and, 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 and the little girl says, his sister, hey, I think that's a Hebrew baby. You know, I know some babysitters that'll help you out and goes and gets her mother. And she weans him. She takes care of him. But it's a different process than when we would understand nowadays because, see, the mother had to take time to raise him, to nurture him. It wasn't just a few days or a few months. It was years. It was years that the mother was there raising her son. And I believe, and this is what I believe, and, and this is why I believe it, because of what happened here in Scripture. Moses is very comfortable talking with this burning bush. But this is why I believe this. I believe this, that Moses' mother says, let me tell you about the real God. Let me tell you about the one who created the heavens and the earth. Let me tell you about the God who saved us. And he called the uh, man named Abraham. Let me tell you about the father of our faith. Let me tell you about his son Isaac. Let me tell you about Jacob and his 12 sons. Let me tell you, son, who God really is. And she would whisper it in his ear and his spirit, his soul would just begin to hear the word of God and then all of a sudden with this moment comes Moses who is not afraid Moses who is engaged with this entity that's in this bush reveals that he is the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob at that he hid because he knew this was God this was God and then the Lord said I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to the land into a good and spacious place, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perserites, Hivites, Jezebites, and now the city of, and now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I want you to see the heart of God. The whole focus of God is the people of Israel and their suffering and their cry and their hardships. God is concerned for his people. 
And in order for God, in order for God to save his people, he needs someone. And so he finds this man named Moses. And when he's running for 40 years, God is watching over him, waiting for the right moment, waiting for the right time, waiting for the right opportunity to speak to Moses. Why? Because there needs to be a job done. There needs people that need to be rescued and freed. And so finally, at this moment, God comes. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? See, that statement right there is so profound to me because many times when I pray and God would just speak things to me and he would say things and promises and give me words to hope for, I would say, God, who am I? I know who I am. Why would you say that? Why would you give me hope? I know who I am, God. But God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign. And that will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I love how God is letting Moses know, hey, you think it's impossible and you think you can't do it and you think this is too much, but I want you to know something, that you're going to see it happen and it's going to happen here. Here on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of the fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The reason why this story is so amazing to me is because God chose to reveal himself. And he did it with Abraham. Because the angel of the Lord came and spoke to Abraham and Abraham recognized that it was God. And we know in the New Testament that Abraham also heard God's voice when he was in Mesopotamia, when he was with his father in a land of pagans, when his father was worshiping all these idols according to the book of Joshua. Abraham knew God's voice. And here Moses is engaged and he hears God's voice. But for the first time in Scripture, God gives Moses his name. His name. I am who I am. I will be what you need me to be. You don't worry about it. I am who I am. He gives him his name. This morning, I hope that you just would understand the God that we serve. We're not serving a God who is one of the foreign territories that has no authority over the Most High. We serve the Most High. We serve the God who has chosen to reveal Himself all throughout Scripture and has chosen to reveal Himself 
through his son, Jesus Christ. And you notice something, that Moses was given the name of God, that Moses was given the authority and the power, and he was given his name. And you know what we have today? We have the name that is above all names. We have the name of Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to go in my name. His name is still powerful. His name is still above all things. And I want you to get back to the burning bush. I want you to get back to those moments where you come to God and you say, God, reveal yourself to me. I need to know your name. I need to know who you are. But God, it seems impossible and it seems too big, but I just want to know who you are. And God's going to come in your moment and he is going to reveal himself to you and you are going to recognize how awesome the name is. So when hardships come, run to the bush, run to your prayer closet, find out who he is once again. When discouragement comes, you get back to the bush, get back to the place where you meet God and you say, God, reveal who you are. Because I'll tell you, when God speaks words to you, when God speaks to you, it just is so amazing. It is so energizing. Some of the simplest things God has ever said to me has motivated me to continue to be a man of faith. Things like, I am with you. When God speaks that to your soul and it burns deep in your heart, there's nothing that can stop you. Why? Because God is with you. God is with you. So get back to the bush. You may be facing discouragement. You may be, face, you may be going through the greatest time in your life. I don't care. Get back to the bush. Get back to that place. And, and then let God reveal himself to you. Let his word come alive. Let his word resonate in your soul so that when you face the world, they will see that you represent someone that's not, not just anybody. You represent the most high. Because there are people that need the good news. They need to hear a good word. And we have it. We have his name. And Jesus has told us to go in his name. So this morning... Don't neglect time with God. Spend time with him. Get to know him and let his name be the one that is high and lifted in your life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to just share my heart, God. This this word was burning in my spirit, and I pray, God, that I've done my best to tell it. But Lord, I pray, God, that we as your people would just get back to seeking you, that we would get back to just spending time with you, that we would recognize that you are with us, God, that this is holy ground because you are here. And Lord, it is from these moments we discover who you are. And God, when we, Lord, are afraid, we would remember your name. When we are discouraged, we would remember your name. When we are going through hardships, we would remember your name, the name that is above all names, that I am who I am is with us. You are with us. So Lord, be with us, God, throughout this week. Be with us, Lord, in our health. Be with us in our homes. Be with us wherever we go, Father. And may we be with you. May we seek you. And may we find you. We love you so much. Encourage your people. Thank you so much for today, God. Bless your people. In the name that is above all names, in the name of Jesus, Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you.